0: Trust Me. It's really a love song from the Lord to each one of us, right? I love this song. If you're going through something, it's the Lord saying to you to just trust him. He'll never leave you. He'll fight our battles. He has all power in his hands. Be blessed by the message of this song.
1: God praise the Lord if you will only trust me man that is a worship song I want to thank the choir for singing that song. I'm empowered by God and I'm telling you that I believe God wants us to trust him He wants us to just to allow his Holy Spirit to move in our lives. And if we will just allow God to do what he only can do, amen? I think great things will be in store for our lives. I believe God has brought us to this church at this particular time because he wants to speak to someone's life today. He wants us to know that it is not about us, it is about him. And so as we come today, we come into this inner sanctum and God, he wants us he wants us to surrender all to him. He wants us to surrender all to Him. If we understand what heaven is all about today, we will be amazed. If we truly understand, you know, I think with my vivid imagination, and I think that there's, there, we have enough scriptures to back us up on this. Can you imagine how busy heaven is right now? Can you imagine God's war room? Can you imagine, you know, the, all the angels surrounding the, the throne of God and, and the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit there, there. They're hunkered down and they're thinking, how can we save that person? What can we do to bring salvation to that person? What can we do to bring deliverance to that house? What can we do to bring deliverance to that church, to that city? What can we do? I could just think when Sodom and Gomorrah was brought up before God, and they thought to themselves what do we do right now and they decided that they're going to come and they're going to counsel with their servant Abraham and so Jesus decided that he was going to go down himself but he was going to take two of his trusted angels and they're going to visit with Abraham Abraham, and as they decided to to visit with Abraham, they came and uh, they they spoke of uh, the plan and even uh, tell Abraham of of the many blessings that was going to come up on his family, and after that, uh, the two angels left Jesus on their mission, headed to Sodom and Gomorrah, And then Jesus now continued on with his conversation and he says, listen, Abraham, um, there's this city, Sodom and Gomorrah, where your nephew Lot lives. That city is going to be destroyed. And he asked him, well, if... We're going to have if 50 people, if there are 50 righteous in that city, would you spare that city? He says, "Sure. Peradventure, if there's 30, will you spare that city? Sure." And he went all the way down, because what was happening, this discussion already took place in heaven. And God knew his plan. He knew what he was about to do. That city that had turned their backs on God, it came up to be destroyed and it had to be destroyed because if that city continued, it would have influenced the entire world. It would have corrupted the entire world. And the plan of salvation would have been in jeopardy. And so, as you know, as the story goes, only Lot, his two daughters, and his wife came out of that city. But one looked back, and she was turned to a pillar of salt. And Lot and his two daughters escaped into the mountain. Three people were saved out of an entire city. Three people. I believe that God wants to save this city of Las Vegas. I believe that He wants to bring deliverance into this place. And God is depending upon you and me, He's depending on your family. He's depending on a few people that will stand up and simply trust Him. Trust Him. Church, the time of playing church is over. The time of playing Russian roulette with our salvation is over. We need to realize that the devil he is playing for keeps He is playing for keeps and your soul, our soul is on the line, truly. You know that time that we have been waiting, we're waiting for the whispers of the Sunday law, we're waiting for the Pope to make that certain decree or do his certain act to join together with with America. We're going to talk about prophecy sometime. We're waiting for these signs. We need not wait anymore. It is upon us. It is time for God's people to stand. It is time for us to take the stand. There are individuals in our church that have been coming to church all these years, and you're waiting for that sign, the sign is now. There are individuals that are listening to this broadcast right across Vegas. This is the time to take your stand and come to church. It is not enough to sit on that couch and listen to the message. There are individuals that tapped in And they're listening to us in Australia and listening to us in England and listening to us in Canada and right across the United States. And you are holding back. It is time for you to make your choice for Christ. There is a time that is coming when it will be too late. And God is calling us right now to stand for him. I don't know the circumstances, but our dear sister, Sister Anisha Lewis, she tried to take her life this morning. She was just baptized. I don't know what this situation is, but we ought to be praying for her. I want you to understand that as we take a stand for Christ, even the newly baptized individuals, Satan is attacking. And he wants to mess up your life. He wants you to know that, listen, you made the wrong decision. He wants you to reverse it. He wants to come into your house and he wants to mess with you. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's time for God's people to take a stand. Amen? Amen. Take a stand. As I open up today, I'm not going to keep you too long. But I believe that the Lord has put on my heart a word for the church today. I had to preach it to myself. First. I had to wrestle with this from myself first before I could bring it to you. And as we open our words today, the Word of God, it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will move in this place. It is my prayer that any weapons that Satan has planned to attack this church to attack anybody in this church, to attack any family in this church, that it will be zeroed out. It is my prayer that the power of God will touch down and that we will never be the same again. And so, Lord, we are asking you to take control of your church. Lord, if there's anything in me, Lord, that I have put within this message, Lord, that will corrupt it, I pray, Father, that that will be zeroed out and that your words will be preached today. We pray for your power. We pray, Father, for the fluency of your words and that you will connect your people with your word and that indeed the promises, Lord, will be activated. And that there will be joy in this city, joy in this church, joy in our families today. Lead us now, Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The title of our message today is "Shape to Serve. You might be listening on the broadcast whether it be on the internet or either on the radio. We're asking you to take your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible, you're on the computer. Just Google the B-I-B-L-E. And we want to walk through the Bible today. Uh, we will be considering... Uh, the scripture today in the book of Acts chapter 6, and we're going to be zooming in on verses 1 to 7. Acts chapter 6, and we're looking at verse 1 to 7 as well. We will be looking also at the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1, actually. Genesis chapter 1, we'll be looking a little in chapter 2 as well. And we want the Bible to come alive today in our lives. We want to allow the Word of God to be spoken to us. And that we truly will be activated for God. We understand that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, God took nothing, ex nihilo, he took nothing, and he made something out of nothing. That's the, that's the kind of God that we serve. And so if you have nothing in your bank account, don't worry. Serve God. He's able to take those zeros, and miraculously, he's able to add some ones to it and multiply those zeros. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Uh, when the doctor tells you that you have cancer and that the cancer cells has replicated itself and has corrupted other cells and other tissues and, and systems and has corrupted your body and the doctor is telling you that there is just a, a, a short time that you have to live. We, we specialize in, in a God that is able to purify your blood that causes your your blood to be so rich with healing properties that as the blood flows through your body, that those bad cells turn to good cells. And that the the, the tissue that was no longer uh, working is working. And that the organ that was corrupted is no longer corrupted. God is able to do amazing things. That's the kind of God that we serve. And I want you to understand that it is all about service. God has shaped each and every one of us for service. When I was thinking of naming this, uh, this, this sermon, the title, I, I, I tinkered with, with different titles and I thought of the, the name, the, the title, uh, The Power of Servitude and... Uh, my wife was listening to uh, my little review that I was giving, and she said, Hey, shaped to serve. <laughs> and she, she had a seminar a few um, years back uh, where she pulled the, the Quebec conference, French, English, and Spanish together. And she had the bags going, shaped to serve. She had the bag, the, the cups also going. Shaped to Serve, and individuals came from all across the province of Quebec to be trained uh, in this convention, Shaped to Serve. And so she, she poured within me the idea to name this sermon, Shaped to Serve. And I thank God for a godly wife that's able to speak to her husband, and I thank God for a husband that sometimes listens to his wife. (laughs) Sometimes uh, when we do not listen and do not recognize that the Lord speaks through our wives and our husbands, it puts us in serious trouble. We need to learn, deacons. We need to learn to listen to our wives deaconesses, we need to learn to listen to our husbands. Amen? And if you don't have a husband or a wife, we need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's very important for us to understand that we serve a God that wants to take care of our needs. And some of us in this place, we're looking for a husband. The place is very quiet. <laughs> Immediately when I said that, some of us is listening. And some of us is looking for a husband. It's as if the volume button just went down and it's like, you know, it's like nobody move. You know, because if I move, I'm going to, it's like I'm showing myself up, right? It's okay to look for a husband. It's all right. It's all right. But look in a prayerful way. Do not trust in your own eyes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in God. God may have made you, young lady, beautiful. Very beautiful. The Lord has a debonair husband for you. And if you only trust in him, if you only serve him, if you just allow the Holy Spirit to just bring out in you that which is becoming of a Christian wife, the Lord will bring to you your Adam. And some of you Adams, devonair, handsome, strong, strapping, or maybe you may be a short, strapping husband, Right? <laughs> God has provided for you as well, and sometimes the Lord may just cause a deep sleep to come upon you, that you don't trust in your eyes, that you don't trust in your senses and your ability, and he will just cause a deep sleep to come upon you, uh, young man or slightly older man. He may just cause that deep sleep to come up on you that you don't trust in your eyes. You know, sometimes we men, we, we trust, you know, in our eyes too much. We trust in, in our senses too much, and we said, yeah, that's the one. And we start pursuing the wrong woman, and we end up in a mess. <laughs> I want you to know that God is in the business of putting people together. Amen? Yes, he does. Right. I remember a few years ago, uh, my wife could testify to that. We saw this uh, slightly older man. He was in his, um, in his 40s, probably early 50s. And we saw this, this woman. And somehow we saw... You know, the Lord was telling us that that man belongs with this woman. And we were figuring, we were saying, well, Lord, how could, you know, what could we do? What do you want us to do? And so the Lord placed it on our heart to invite some couples over. And so we invite these married couples to come over. Married couples. And then we invited only two single people to come over. (laughs) And we had a Sabbath meal. We sat down and so forth. And uh, at a certain time, all the couples just got together. And, you know, husband and wives, they were just talking to each other and, you know, reminiscing on the goodness of the Lord and uh, the, the Sabbath and so forth. And uh, these single couple, they single individuals, they didn't know what to do. And so they got talking to each other. <laughs> Suffice it to say, one year later, they were married, (laughs) and they're still married, happily. (laughs) Um, I do believe that God puts people together, right, and that's just a commercial break that I'm telling you, your heart may be beating, and you may be wondering, is there a certain gentleman in this church for me, a Christian gentleman, a Christian young woman? Yes. Yes don't need to. You don't need to be afraid. You know, sometimes when you are so, um, you're expecting something great, you're trembling, right? Don't worry. Rest assured. Who knows, by the end of this sermon, you may just look across and identify your husband in here. Amen? Come on, everyone. All right. And so God shapes us. He fashions us to serve. If you look with me in the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, we see something very interesting, and I want you all to understand that, the deacons, deaconesses, and ushers. I want you all to understand that the, in the book of Genesis, there is, it is packed with meaning. The, the book of Genesis is the book of the beginnings, Anything that you want to see from any standpoint, if you want to understand marriages, if you want to understand creation, if you want to understand anything, it generally, it starts in the book of Genesis. And so in the book of Genesis, we see a very, very interesting um, rendition where God is actually, he created the entire world. And after he created the world and, and set everything in motion and all of that, uh, God decided that he was going to do something even greater. He created the animals, and the animals were okay. But God wanted to create something or someone that embodies him. It's Someone that, that when individuals look at them, they will see God. And so in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26, we find this verse. And we have to take the word of God for what it means. And in verse 26, we see that it says, God says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth up on the earth. And so God created, verse 27, and so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And the Lord Bless and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creepeth up on the earth. And so, this was the creation of man. This is the earliest recollection that we see in scripture of the creation of man. And God is saying that man must be created in my image. In verse 26, let us create man in our image. And we often ask, what is the image of God? What, it, what does that mean? It, the, the Bible tells us that in the book of John, uh, chapter 4, that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if God is a spirit, right, how could man, physical man, be made in the image of God? Uh, we are not spiritual beings. We cannot defy gravity unless God is, you know, helping us like he did Elijah or, or Enoch or some of these others in the past, right? So we can't do that. So we are bound to this earth. We could just jump so high, right? We, we cannot go up. But check this out. We see here now that God is saying that he created men in his own image after his likeness and to have dominion. If you look at man, man is made in the likeness of God. If we think of who God is or who the government of God is, the government of God, and I use that term government because this, we embody who God is. We embody the Godhead, as First Colossians chapter 2 would tell us, there is that the 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 Father the Son and the Holy Spirit we all we we can't we embody that who God is now check this out if we understand that we have a Father we have a Son and we have a Holy Spirit and this is what the Bible tells us that constitute God. That means whatever God created, whatever we are in the image of God, in the likeness, that embodiment of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in us. Let me break it down to you. If God plants in our mind an idea, the idea is planted in our mind, and that's the thought. This is why the Bible tells you As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, or so is she. I want you to understand this concept, right? Sin begins where? Not on the outside, in your mind. If you look at a woman and lust after her, you have already committed sin. Now understand this teaching. So it is within us, within our mind that things, ideas, whether good or evil starts. And so within us, God has given us the ability to rationalize, to think, to reason how to do this. And so this is a godly aspect. No other beings have that. A dog or a snake or an animal, they act on instinct. You step on a dog's tail, doesn't matter if that dog is your pet, loving pet, it will turn around and bite you. Understand what I'm saying? right? Animals, they act on instinct, right? Well, unfortunately, some of us as human beings, we do act like animals. We act on instincts, right? You see some guys walking around and they, I mean, they just look and they see some women and they look at them like a piece of meat. You know, I was at the corner there at, at, um, I believe, let me see if I get my streets right, Martin Luther King and Washington. And I saw these young boys, they were across the street, and they saw this fine-looking young lady walking to the bus stop, and they were, whoo, they were hollering, hey, you know? I mean, it's it's like acting like animals, like some of the animals that Sister Evans (laughs) talked about, right? No... (laughs) And these guys, they're acting on instinct, you know, like animals, instead of rational human beings as God designed us to be. Now understand, God created us in his image. So as the Father is the source, everything comes from the source. It is like your mind. The God the Father represents your mind. This is the source. God, the Son, represents your Word. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh, what? And dwelt among us. The Word represents who? Jesus Christ. The Son comes down, and He is the Word of God. The, what we read, the Word, it all, the Bible talks about, it reveals Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ. And then we have to look at this and understand now is that in the Bible, we often see God moving and making things happen, whether wind or oil or fire and all of these things. And who represents the action of God? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus sends the comforter. The Word sends the comforter. And this is why it's very important we studied this in prayer meeting a few weeks ago in, Matthew, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that tells us that we don't know how we ought to pray. It is the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. It is the Holy Spirit that's down here that's preventing some people from sleeping, right? Some of us have slept, right, and some of us are sleeping right now, but it's the Holy Spirit that goes down and touches the church and ignites us and gets us on fire. Understand, the Holy Spirit, He is the active agent of the Godhead. And so within the embodiment of man, mind, the word, and action, we have like the Father, represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when God creates man in his own image now, this is what we're talking about. In the image of God, we are walking around because we represent God. And God wants to be in us. He wants to be in us. This is why many individuals, we have trouble overcoming addictions because we have not given our mind to God. And if you, have not, if you give your mind to something else, guess what? You have another God in you that is not the true God of heaven. This is why possession. I have unfortunately worked with many individuals to overcome this. Demon-possessed individuals, they have another spirit that is driving their body. While God wants the Holy Spirit within to navigate the body, we have other stuff within. And that's what happens to us many times. We are taken over by many, by other spirits that we cannot even control ourselves. This is why it is hard to overcome addiction. People are addicted to pornography, addicted to smoking, addicted to all kinds of things. And God now is all about service. It was the famous physicist, mathematician, scientist. His name was Rene Descartes. Rene Descartes, he decided that, you know, he studied up in all the... He had a good education and so forth, and he, he started thinking to himself, how could God exist? And he says, let me, let me just... Put away all the education that I have and everything. So he put everything aside in his mind. He put everything and he says, Well, what what am I doing now? And he says, Well, I'm thinking. And he coined this term, I'm thinking. He says, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore. How do you know you exist? The only reason that you know you exist, that I know that I exist, is because we're thinking. We're thinking. Now, if you are not thinking right now, it is either that you're sleeping, right? And even if you're sleeping, you may be dreaming. Still, you're thinking, right? Therefore, we exist. And so understanding this key uh, to, to the mystery for Rene Descartes, he thought of it, well, can I control my thinking? Yes, I could control, but I'm still thinking. Can I, can I, can I control my life? And Rene Descartes just through rationalizing and thinking, he realized that there is a God. Because man, man think with me, man now, what president, what king, what ruler do you see that's willing to say, well, listen, I've served long enough, let me step down. If the United States didn't have term limits, right, (laughs) maybe we'll still have George Bush as president, (laughs) or President Clinton, right, (laughs) right? Uh, and, and think with me, we see individuals, even ministers, uh, you know, it's, we're li- living in this world where it is the, is the world of um, what they say upward mobility. Remember I talk about that, right? I, I, I opened that last year, upward mobility. We all want to get up a hi- higher and higher. Ministers, if I'm a, a pastor of a 400-member um, church, I want to have a thousand-member church. So this is how we grade success. We cannot see ourselves as well. Maybe I need to pastor that hundred-member church over here. You know, uh, we don't see ourselves in that. We want to get higher, promotion, right? Money, all of these things, right? And so when we look at this. The whole thing of God, as René Descartes looked at it, he says there's various systems of man. Man wants to get bigger and bigger. Man, he wants to get more and more. And so René Descartes says, hey, this is something. What is of man? Man is naturally selfish. Sinful man is naturally selfish. While wherever he sees, we're God now comes in. God is not selfish. God is serving. And the whole thing of God, what God does, God is all about service. Jesus Christ, he came down into this world in the body of man after this uh, this world has gone down at the weakest level that it is. And Jesus came down in the body of man and he was shaped to serve. Jesus came down and he showed how it is to, you should have a reflection, have a relationship with God. And so in what Jesus had in mind, word, and action, he served God. And he showed it perfectly. He showed that indeed man could live above sin. He showed that man does not have to be subjected to sin. He showed that we can be overcomers. But the good thing about it, he showed that we could be overcomers, not through our strength, but through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And that is exactly what we are talking about. We are shaped to serve. Mind, word, and action. God wants us to know that is all about service. It's not about selfishness. It's not about me. And I'm going to break this down now, and I might be saying something that our leaders of the church may be saying, well, Pastor, uh, you have to watch out here. We're being broadcast. So we see this in Genesis. When we look in the book of Acts, we see something very interesting. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit takes over the church. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The gospel is preached in Acts chapter 2. And many are coming to the church. Thousands are coming to the church. And that church of 120 grew to 3,000. And the gospel is just moving, 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 moving. And thousands are being added every single day they're coming to the church. Individuals that used to worship on pagan days, worshiping the sun and sun's day, this uh, moon's day or or Friday or whatever it is, right? They, they, They turn around and they're worshiping on the Sabbath. Some are poor. They don't have money. They cannot survive. And so the church recognizes that they need to do something. They need to serve the people. They recognize that it's not all about us. And so they start selling stuff. People selling their land, selling their cattle, selling all of these things, and giving it onto the apostle. And the church gives the money and puts it together in one, and they live in a community to support the gospel and support each other. That's service. That is service. There was a time. In my fanatical stage. I read this. And I truly believe this. But I have to balance it off here. And I remember I was studying with this man. And I studied with him. And realizing that this man was in serious trouble. In fact, he was near homeless. And so I decided, even without consulting my wife, husbands, you need to consult your wife all the time, I decided that I'm going to have this man come and stay with us. And so we were just uh, a little family like uh, Pastor Lee was. you know, the uh, little, uh, I had my little child, right, we had our little child, and we brought this man to live, well, I brought this man (laughs) to live in our home. (laughs) We were in a three and a half, that means a one one bedroom, a little kitchen and living room and all of that, and this was an apartment. And so uh, his room was the couch. And so um, we didn't know much about this man, but I was reading the Bible, and I was saying, literally, um, the Bible tells us that we need to take care of one another. The Lord says that if you see me hungry, what? Feed me. Thirsty? Homeless? All right. And so, I was living it up, and so I got the man, and he came, and he started staying with us, and we had a concerned neighbor, and she says, you know, came over and says, you know, O'Neill, this is not a good thing that you're doing. This man that you have in your house, he's an evil man. Look at his eyes. His eyes are red, you know. (laughs) And, And so she was the janitor, and so she decided to give him a little apartment in the building, after he stayed with us for about two nights. And um, we continued ministering to him and praying with him. And the man was truly possessed. Yeah, he was. And one night we went down, we prayed, and he surrendered all to God. And by the time the morning came, whatever demons he had left him. Came back to his right mind. He was an accountant, actually. And uh, resumed his profession. And the Lord blessed him. His wife called up and says, What happened to him? I said, It's God. I tell you this story to tell you. Back then, in the apostolic time, they were living in a similar situation. It was a communal setting where they were caring for one another. Anyone that didn't have food, they had food now because the church took care of it. Anyone that didn't have a place to live, the church took care of them. And this was the idea behind it. They all came together. They lived with one another. They took care of one another. And they were serving one another. In the book of Acts chapter 6, we see the text opening up now. And it says here, and I'm just going to break it down and we're going to close up soon and get into this the next part. It says here, in those days, when the number of disciples multiplied and there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Jews, uh, against the Hebrews, uh, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration, we had a situation where two cultures were following the same God the Greeks and the Hebrews and there was a tension between them it says then the 12 called a multitude of disciples unto them and said it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables we cannot serve tables and so they asked themselves now to choose. Go among yourselves, right? That we will choose men. Could you go on to number uh, three, verse three? It says, wherefore the brethren look, he said, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, number one, and the next one wisdom no no the back 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 yes full of uh, who, men who are honest honest report full of the holy ghost and wisdom three things whom we may appoint over this business and this was exactly what the disciples were looking for they had to be honest they had to have a had to be full of the holy ghost and had to have wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. The disciples, they were saying that, listen, we cannot serve tables. I was looking up that term, serving tables, and they wanted to expand this whole thing. So they needed people to take care of the church. In the New Testament, there are three primary words that refers to deacons three prime primary words and i would say deacons by extension deaconesses and these words are diaconus which means servant diakana which means service and di- diaconeo which means to serve now what this word actually is saying serving tables is diaconeo which means to serve he, they were looking for men to do that, to serve. But sometimes we misunderstand that word service. We think that deacons are just people that just need to just take care, you know, sweep up and all of these things. And, the, in, and, and we, we misunderstand this, not understanding that these deacons, they had to have honest report they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and they need to have wisdom. Amen. The Bible tells us exactly that these deacons, they need to be men and women, let me add by extension, of good report. They have to have harmonious homes. You can't be a player and be a deacon. You can't be a gambler and be a deacon. You, you can't be someone that's a double agent, serving God and serving the devil and be a deacon. You need to stand forth and you need to stand up for the word of God, empowered by God. And so this was the, the criteria that God had set forth for the deacons. And so when we see this now, these deacons, they called seven deacons and laid hands on them. Uh, Stephen was the first one, and his name was a literally mean crown, a man full of faith and power. Then there was Philip. Philip, his name meant "friends," friend of horses. Now, I'm giving you the meaning because I'm going to tell you something about them. And there was Perchorus, right, who was a leader of choirs. He was the one that led out in the singing and everything, right? And there was uh, Nicanor, Nicanter, which means conquer or victorious. There was Timon, which means a helm. There was Parmetheus, which means a constant and one that abides. And there was Nicola, the proselyte of Antioch. Now, when we look at all of these deacons, two of them we see in church history, Stephen and Philip. And we see the Holy Spirit using these men, not just serving tables as the Bible says. These men were preaching the word of God. These men were empowered by the word of God. The Holy Spirit was working on their lives. These men were serious men. We understand that even Philip, the Holy Spirit, worked with him on special mission. And whenever he finished his mission, the Holy Spirit just caused him to disappear and appear somewhere else. Powerful. Men that you could not play around with. Stephen, he stood up and even though death was knocking on his door, he preached the word of God with power. Power, that it cut the hearts of those that was around them. And he even tells us in the, in the scripture that priests, many Jewish priests, they were added to the church because of the preaching and the power of these men. And so we got to understand, God is calling us right now, not just the elected deacons, but he is calling every single one of us in service. Every single one of us in this church, we are shaped to serve. This is why I'm saying, as a part of my ministry, what God has put on me, that every single member of this church needs to serve. Let me even add it. If you are a visitor and you want to be activated, we, will, we are interested in you too. We're ready for you to serve. God wants each and every one of us human beings to serve. We are in the embodiment of Christ. And God wants us to know that it's all about service. It's all about service. And so as we come to church week after week, every single one of us, we should come ready to serve. In your community, we should be ready to serve. God is calling on us. He is calling us and he is depending on us to serve amen Amen. and so deacons is very important for us to tell you this and what we see in scripture you are called to a high office it is not just a position that you come to open doors and all of this it's a position of dedication in your home at work at church, in the city, wherever you are, God is calling you into service. And we have to represent him. And we should not take this position lightly. God wants us to do great things for him. And he is calling us into active service. And so I'm encouraging you and all of us here that as we stand as in the office of a deacon our deaconess are as an usher god wants us truly to recognize that is not by might nor by power but by my strength saith the lord amen, amen. and so i ask this question here as i uh, invite pastor lee Wars to come forward and all the elders to come forward. I'm asking all the elders and Pastor Lewis to come with me on the platform here. and Pastor Leroy's. Now we're asking for, at this time, uh, the deacons and the ushers. We're asking for the deaconess to stand in front here. We want to see a row of white in the front right here. And right beside them, we're asking the the deacons, the deaconesses to make a row here first, deaconesses, and join together. We need the deacons on this side. Okay. And we're asking the ushers as well to come on up. You're an usher. Just stand. Yes, just yeah, you could turn up. Yeah. Face the yeah, face the church. All right. Okay. Look at them all arrayed in white. Amen. All right. Okay. And so as ushers, we're asking ushers and deaconesses, all ushers and deacons, whether you're ordained or, or uh, not ordained, we're asking all ushers and deaconesses and deacons to come forward. Okay.
2: Church, we're at a significant moment in the life of abundant life. There are many of our deaconesses and deacons who have been looking forward to this moment. This part of the service today is a period of affirmation. Amen. We're asking God to afford, pour out a special blessing upon these officers of the church. You've nominated them. We have voted them. Now we're asking God to pour out a double portion of his Holy Ghost power upon them because they are going to need it. They need your prayers. And so, officers, deaconesses, and deacons, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Make some statements. And after each statement, I want you to pledge before this church because I tell you, they will hold you accountable for the position you hold. So this is a public declaration of the office you now hold. If you're feeling nervous, you should be because this is a critical role you will play in your church. Number one, Do you promise before God and this church of Jesus Christ that you will uphold the truth and doctrines of God's word? I want a loud, I do. I do. Be a living example of Jesus Christ in this church and the community by the grace of God. I do. Be faithful and regular in attendance, wholehearted in giving, open-minded in planning, and patient in seeking the solution to problems. I do. do. Don't get weak on me, I want that strong. Seek to serve with a servant's heart. I I do. Assist the pastor, Pastor Madden, in implementing and carrying out of the ministries of this church. I do. I do earnestly seek God's guidance and his will for this church abundant life. I do.
1: We have heard their affirmation that they have made their pledge, and we want to charge the church at this time all these deacons deaconesses and ushers they have been set aside are set apart by god to fulfill a vital ministry in this church they need your support and affirmation do you promise congregation now this is you do you promise before god and these officers that we have um, presented, we are presenting to you now, that you will pray for them and that you will encourage them, as they the same for you. What do you say? I, do. I need to hear that louder. Church. I do. All right. All right. It's important for us to know that this is a team effort. Just as we are depending on them, right? They are depending on you for cooperation as well. Amen? Amen. And so at this time, we would like to have a word of prayer, of anointing for them. I'm asking for the elders to just descend and just lay your hands on them. Lay your hands on them as we pray for God's anointing for their ministry.
2: Church, I will invite you to bow your heads in this moment of consecration and dedication of these deaconesses and deacons. Bow your heads with me.